Now, at the most, you're going to have two hours before the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines move in and make you put it back. Who mentioned anything about removing it? Did you live enough for you? You plan to break into the world's largest bank, but not to steal anything. Why? Go on, Mr. Bond. Mr. Ling, the red Chinese agent at the factory. He's a specialist in nuclear fission. But of course, his government's given you a bomb. I prefer to call it an atomic de device. It's small, but particularly dirty. Cobalt and iodine? Precisely. Well, if you exploded in Fort Knox, the uh, entire gold supply of the United States will be radioactive for 57 years. 58, to be exact. I apologize, Goldfinger. It's an inspired deal. They get what they want, economic chaos in the West, and the value of your gold increases many times. I conservatively estimate 10 times. Good evening, everybody. It's Dave Joskow, the Dave Joskow podcast of the second or third week of October. Who's keeping count? Am I right? It's Rocktober or Cocktober. You gotta love October in New York City. It's becoming fall. It's getting chillier. It's jacket season, which is Dave Joskow's favorite time of season because he can put stuff in his pockets and not in your pants pockets where things just look like they're sticking out and protruding. And you can carry stuff so you don't have to carry a gay fanny pack around because a jacket is the key to everything. Yes, the Dave Juskow Podcast after an incredible week of nonsense, of amazingness and just busyness. And I can't wait to talk to you about it in a regular voice. And here we go. Hello, everyone. Yes, hello. I'm back. And uh, it's me, your pal Dave Juskow. And I've been away for a week. What have I been up to? Well, I am going to tell you. That's why I couldn't even have a guest tonight. I mean, there's just so much get to get to. I'm ho- I mean, lately, I've been my shows have been over an hour. It's been an hour 40. Did Arnie Lang's podcast yesterday. Three hours. Still doing the voice. Don't know why. I guess it's the music. As soon as I turn the music off, we'll be back to normal. Can't help it. You know, it is like a Tourette's thing. It's just like having Tourette's. It's like I said, my old friend Lee Maracas. How you doing, man? How you doing, man? What's going on, man? This voice for me is Tourette's-like. But it's an all-new episode! All right. <laughs> and here we are. So, after we left last week with our amazing guest, Gary Goldman, I told you I was leaving for Louisville, which I did. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, just one thing in the news I would like to begin with. Uh, today, you might have heard that there was an ant or as some people call it elsewhere, an aunt who sued her nephew because he uh, broke her wrist or something. So he sued him, and they were just on the Today Show today. That's why I know about it uh, in Connecticut. And everybody says that's the worst aunt ever, and I suppose it is. And maybe you've heard about it. I mean, she's just suing the kid, but apparently she got... The advice was because the insurance won't pay for it. She has to blame the kid. The kid seemed okay with it. He understood. Like, the, she was just doing it for, like, insurance purposes. was just, a, you know, obviously a, a complete douche thing to do. Where technically you should just say, you know what? I'm not naming that kid. That's rude. It's going to ruin it. And 
So I guess she is kind of a twat, but um, I get it in a way too because insurance companies suck and you got to do crazy things to get your money back. So you always got to take a shot. You know, that's my motto. Got to take the shot. Am I right? What's happening, everybody? Hey, it's Bobby Barbarino. How you doing? Anyway, the only reason I brought it up is because I'm thinking about suing my niece. I really want to sue Dory. I mean, I think maybe that'll just get her out of her shell. It's, uh, I think she deserves it. Uh, I think a long, drawn-out litigation would be exactly what she needs. And, uh, you know, or maybe my nephew. He's annoying sometimes. I should just sue him. Just sue his ass. Like every time he doesn't want to, you know, every time one of my nieces doesn't want to talk to Uncle David on the phone, just sue him. Teach him a lesson. That's pretty much the story. There was nothing else to say except that. So, uh, oh, I can hear, you know, my computer humming. It's annoying. Let's see if I can fix that. Only I can hear it, I think, but. Oh, yeah, look, I, I put it on a cloth so it wouldn't do that, and yet here we are. Um, okay, so the Mets are playing tonight. It, I'm taping this on Thursday because I had a lot to do Wednesday. I'll get to everything. Uh, so the Mets are playing tonight. And for game five, for all the marbles, you know, technically, you know, game seven in quotes, um, the play in the Dodgers playing in L.A. because they couldn't wrap it up on Monday. So it's a big night, big night. I'm taping this before the game starts in about 45 minutes. But it doesn't matter. You know, I don't care if I don't see the first pitch. Those games go on way too long. I'm fine with just starting in the fifth inning or so. But I will just watch it as soon as we are completed. Um, also, Thursday night football. I mean, come on. This time of the year. Are you kidding me? This is great stuff, people. What are we talking about here? It's amazing. But, um, oh, man. Let's go Mets. Mets, Cubs. What? Quite frankly, even Dodgers Cubs would be amazing. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Mets. I'm not playing the song today. I'm not going for it because this thing comes out tomorrow and, you know, God forbid they lose and I'm sitting here playing the song and everybody's going to be depressed, you know, if you're a Mets fan. Uh, so no songs, just talking about it. Probably shouldn't talk about it that much because then you're sitting there saying like, oh, what a bummer, you know. So I don't I don't know. You know, I mean, they got their, their ace on the mound. But we got our ace on the mound too. And they play well on the road. It's all going to work out. You'll see. You'll see Mr. No-Say, Mr. Naysayer. Oh, but, I mean, seriously, and everybody's talking about this, and I don't know whether you heard, but, I mean, how classic. I, it, it sucks that the Cubs are involved because I think everybody roots for the Cubs, you know, unless you're a White Sox fan or something. Uh, you know, I mean, I want my team to win, the Mets, and they deserve it, and they're awesome. But the Cubs, I mean, it's been like, a, you know, over 100 years since they've won. But the best part is, and you know this, Back to the Future Part 2, the big joke in Back to the Future Part 2, they go from 1985 to the year 2015, this year. And there's a huge sign when they get to 2015 that says Cubs win World Series. And it's, you know, it was a huge laugh when they made the movie back in 1988 or whenever it was made. Uh, and if that comes true, I mean, that is sick, Right that the Cubs win as Back to the Future 2 predicted in 2015. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's great stuff. So they're definitely going to be talking about it. If the Cubs were to win, and I mean, and just think about it, if the Mets are standing in their way, I mean, that's going to suck. Everybody's been talking about Steve Bartman. You know, remember that kid, uh, you know, fucked up their last chances and they played the Florida Marlins? 
<laughs> that kid. Oh, I assume he's just, he's still, I've heard, you know, because I've been questioning people, he still lives in town. That kid's got to be out of his mind. I would have moved that. I would have moved to another country. Um, I think they should have him throw out the first pitch. <laughs> he might as well just go for it all. Uh, but he, this kid interfered with a ball many years ago, and people just blamed the shit out of him. I, I, uh, if I were him, I would have gone to work for the Florida Marlins the next day. I would have been like, hey, can you give me a job in your organization? Because I obviously cannot live in Chicago. And then I could be like, fuck everybody. I was just kidding. I wasn't a Cubs fan that whole time, jerk-offs. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know if the Cubs go to the World Series and play, it's either going to be apparently the Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays, or Kansas City Royals. Um, you know they're going to invite Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd to the game which I assume is on Fox, because um, you got to invite Michael J. Fox when something's on Fox. Am I right? Am I right? People! <laughs> I... I think you have to invite Robert Zemeckis. you got to invite the director. You know, I mean, you got to invite the cast of Back to the Future 2 to see the World Series if the Cubs are in it. I mean, you have to. You know they're, they're going to do it. They're just going to keep cutting to them the entire time. They're going to keep showing that scene. It's going to be classic. But that's not going to happen because they think the Mets are going to win tonight and they're going to beat the Cubs. Sorry, everybody. Hate to ruin everybody's good time. What's up, everybody? All right, so after I left last Wednesday when we taped with uh, the great Gary Goldman, who is such a doll, right? I mean, what a great guy. I thought that was a pretty – it was an okay podcast. It's not his fault. I I was talking too much again, but that's what I do. You know, I even asked him what I was doing. I'm like, do you think I was talking too much? And then, of course, I, I always listen back. You know, because I have to. Like, I'm like, oh, I hope I didn't say anything bad. I got to cut, which I wouldn't anyway. But, um, you know, I always listen back. But it takes me like three or four days to listen to the whole thing. Because, I, like I said, I don't know when people have time to listen to podcasts. I just listen when I'm walking. Sometimes I'll listen in the car, but I can't. An hour and 40 minutes? It took me like four days to listen to that last one. I'm sorry. I mean, I know there's people who listen and they don't care. They want it longer. <laughs> but, you know, what can I do? What can I do? I'm only one man. I'm only one man. It would take a god to be able to play more than one man. I am not this deliverer you fear. It would take more than a man to lead the slaves from bondage. It would take a god. It would take a god. That's right. But um, So I left here Thursday morning to go to beautiful downtown Louisville. And remember... The, it turns out the funeral wasn't in Louisville. We weren't even in Louisville. We stayed in Fort Knox, and that's why I played the Goldfinger thing up top. Because I was looking for scenes from Goldfinger. That's all I wanted to do is scenes from Goldfinger. It takes place in Fort Knox, Kentucky. Goldfinger offers uh, James Bond a mint julep. Mint julep. Is your julep too tart, Mr. Bond? That's a horrible Goldfinger, but of course, Goldfinger didn't even use his own voice. Um, they got somebody else to do the voice, and the guy who played him was furious, and he never worked again, except in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where they also dubbed his voice. Bert Frome, I believe his name was, and they dubbed his voice, and he was so mad. Meanwhile, obviously, he, if, they, if somebody dubs your voice in two movies, you obviously don't speak properly, whether you have an accent or not. You obviously suck at English, which is clearly not your native language. If you're dubbed in one movie, well, what are you going to do? But two movies? What are you angry about? You're obviously an idiot. 
I mean, he was brilliant as Goldfinger, but he's obviously he can't talk like a person. And they had to dub it. I couldn't tell. They were dubbing that in 64. It was perfect. I just found that out recently. Well, Mr. Bond, do you want me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. What is there, a moth in here now? What's happening? This time of the year, I'll tell you. So we go down to Louis, we go on the plane. You know, we have nothing but trouble with, uh, you know, the airlines. I told you last week, oh, my God, do we fly into Louisville? Do we fly to Chicago and then drive because Attell was in Chicago? And then maybe we could see him that night. Me and my mom could go to his show, which would be hilarious because my mother, you know, hates anything dirty, but she loves Attell, you know, because we've been friends for so long. There's nothing funny. Remember, I've told you that story a hundred times on this show where, you know, my big closing number was Bill Cosby years ago on the HBO Def Jam doing dirty material. Bill Cosby never worked blue. So then I'm sitting there, and the man ate the woman's pussy for an hour. I mean, he used to kill. It was ridiculous. And my mother and my father were in the audience this day. I was having the best show of my life. I was the headliner. I'm killing. I mean, everybody's dying laughing. It's the best show of my life. It's just all I see is my mother's puss going like, eh, whatever. My dad, he's, he's, my dad hated me. He's smacking his fist on the table. He's laughing so hard. And my mother's just like, eh. And I always say, like, you'd think she'd just be, yeah, okay, maybe she doesn't like the material, but maybe you'd just be pleased like your son is entertaining people in such a wonderful way. Like your son is making all these people, just look around you. Wouldn't you just say, oh, my God, look at him go. Isn't that what a mother's supposed to do? Fuck you. I mean, seriously, because as a comedian, all you ever do is look in the audience and see people who aren't laughing. That's the only one person you always pick out. Ask anybody. Greg Fitzsimmons talks about it all the time. He's at the Porn Awards. All you can see is Dave Navarro, you know, from Red Hot Chili Peppers, just not laughing. And Dave Navarro's come up and say, I just don't find it funny. That's the guy you always pick out. You can't help yourself. It's, it's an insecurity thing. You're, you're, everybody's laughing. Why not this guy? What, did I, what am I doing wrong? You can only stare at that person. What the fuck is my mother not laughing? I know it's not her cup of tea, but Jesus. So, I mean, how great is it? I take her to a tell. She's like, oh, I can't wait to see a tell. Now, she knows he's dirty. She's going to sit there for an hour and a half just with that puss on her face. But in a way, that's completely worth it to me. So fuck her. <laughs> Let a tell deal with it, you know. Mrs. Joska, why aren't you laughing? Oh, sorry, Rhoda, too dirty with the jism on your face. I mean, you don't even do that. And then I'd be my father slapping my hand on the table. <laughs> he gave it to you good, Rhoda. And then he'd probably make fun of me and my mom sharing a hotel room and then it wouldn't get funny. <laughs> Except for the audience. Then my face would be like, huh? <laughs> but come on. But no, six hours in a car with my mother? No, no, thank you. Because we found out, you know, it's... 40 minutes 50 minutes outside of louisville so they're like no do we go to do we have to go to philly and go to nashville okay, anything to be cheaper because flying into louisville was expensive but it was just like fuck it we're spending the money because we're going we're making it as easy as possible for us because you know i don't even want to be there because this guy is a major tool who died my mother's brother so we get to the united airlines place and that united airlines place they have a united Airlines express at newark airport is a bag of shit it's full of a bunch of jerk-offs. You know, people that fly are jerk-offs, and they have no respect for anybody. So it's just a, just a bunch of assholes. It's so crowded. It was hot in there. I don't think their air conditioner was working. I was getting a headache. It sucked. But, you know, I knew the whole experience was going to suck, so I was okay. I was just trying to relax. My mother was talking to me. I'm just trying to, like, just, just be quiet. i got to relax now. You're lucky I'm going. 
And, uh, you know, we get there. Everything's fine. Get the rental car really easy. Drive all the way down there. It is so pitch black. You know, there's not a soul around. It's only like 8.30, maybe less. Not a soul, you know. Like in like in Close Encounters, I expect, like, you know, the, the spaceship to <laughs> just stop us or something. I mean, I don't know, you know, because that's what we're thinking because we're from – you know, a big metropolitan area, even where my mother lives in, you know, New Jersey, it's still, you know, we're from this area. There's people around this building. You know, there, there's just nothing. And again, I'm just, you know, waiting for some of the, the fast food things because all I remember from Goldfinger, from the town that they're in, uh, when the CIA is waiting for James Bond, they, they're, they're sitting at a Kentucky Fried Chicken eating. And I'm like, where's that Kentucky Fried Chicken at? But I saw it. I, I'm going to say it's the same one. But, um, so we go and we get to the hotel. It's a Holiday Inn. And the first thing they ask us is, are you guys here for the gun show? <laughs> and my mother almost had a heart attack. I saw she, her face again, that puss. And uh, they might as well have asked us this. Or, you know. Yes. Where's the basement? Excuse me? Aren't we going to see the basement? <laughs> There's no basement at the Alamo. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's what it was like. I said, are you guys here for the gun show? And uh, my mother's like, David, I don't like it here. And I'm like, shut up. Shut up, Rhoda. Rhoda. Yes, we are here for the gun show. <laughs> I mean, we just want to fit in. We don't want to tell anybody we're not here for the gun show. Like, we're all, all upset about the gun show. There's people behind it. There's people coming in with boxes. We thought they were coming in with pizza. It's like the worst thing that could happen to people from, you know, New York. You're coming. Are you guys here for the gun show? There's like the worst thing. That, could- that would be like in the movies. That would definitely happen to that Seth Rogen, Barbara Streisand movie. Are you here for the gun show? And I was wearing a jacket and tie. I was wearing a, a suit because I didn't want my suit. I didn't. I just wanted to take my backpack. I didn't want to pack heavy because we were leaving the next day. So I just wear my suit on the plane. You know, I bought a different shirt and different underwear. You're welcome. Too much info. You know, I love it. So I was wearing my suit. So I think it looked like I was running the gun show. I think it definitely looked like I came from New York for the gun show and I was running it. So... I think that helped us. Plus, you know, in a way, that's probably the safest place in America at that point. Because, um, you know, if there's any, uh, you know, wackos like that Oregon guy or, you know, people are going to come, people are going to be prepared and they're going to take them out. So in a way, (laughs) you know, as scary as it seems for people, you know, in our world, uh, it seems like it could actually be the safest place in America at that time. So, uh but we there was a restaurant across the street obviously there's nothing there but there's like one restaurant you know a Denny's there was a steak place and we're like oh let's go there let's have dinner what are we doing uh, and they're like oh you get a 10% discount if you save from the gun show I'm like well we're definitely now my mother's like oh we're definitely with the gun show now listen to you Jew face you know <laughs> now we're with the gun show 10% off hello shalom everybody I'm not kidding around uh, so then, uh, you know, I went in and I ate all this stuff like a pig. My, my mother was always like, David, no. <laughs> like in Clueless, Daddy, no. What was I going to do? Just figure I'd eat, you know, heartily, have some fun while we're there, have a drink, and then go back to the hotel room with my mother. Oh, my God. That's not right, right? I remember I called ahead for two beds. I'm like, listen. You just make sure there's two beds there. I don't want what happened last time. You know, <laughs> nothing happened last time. It's just, yeah, just like, that's a funny thing to say to somebody who doesn't know any better. I don't want to happen what happened last time to happen again. What happened last time? So you don't want to know. 
So we're in the hotel room. We're watching the football, watching the, the Houston Texans, you know, Colts game because we got bets on it. You know, my mother's in the football pool too. And she's like, oh, I took the Colts. And I'm like, well, I took the Texans. And uh, so at least the game is on, you know, so we can watch because, you know, obviously I, I probably go to bed at 2 or 3 in the morning every day. You know, now my mother's already in bed at 9, 9 o'clock. We got to wake up early. I mean, granted. But so we're watching the football game. We're going back and forth between that and two broke girls. And she's already sleeping. And then all of a sudden, I finally go to... It's like 11.30, and I'm like, you know what? Well, the game's over. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to sleep. I get into bed real quiet so not to wake my mother. And the fire alarm goes off in the whole hotel. And now we're terrified because, first of all, that's never happened to me in a hotel, number one. Number two, the gun show's in town. So what the fuck is happening out there? Is it a real fire or is there something else that happened? We're terrified. And my mother's like, starts to go, and I'm like, don't. Let me go out first. What's the matter with you? Uh, don't just walk out in your nightgown, dummy. We don't know what's happening here. So I put on my suit. <laughs> That's all I had. So it looked like I dressed up in a jacket and tie. It reminded me in college once, we were having all these fire alarms go off. People were pulling them, and then everybody had to come out and go to the lobby. And so I said, the next time we get the fire drill, I'm dressing up in jacket and tie, and I'm going out there. Uh, you know, that'll be funny. And my roommate's like, oh, that'll be hilarious. So it went off again at like 4 in the morning, and I put on my suit, and I walked out. I'm like, hey, how are you? How's everybody doing? And people were so angry because they thought I pulled the fire alarm just so I could do the bit. And after that happened, we kept getting calls at like 5 in the morning for like the next week. People are so angry. But you know... As I've said, years from now, and like right now, people are like, remember when Jessica dressed up? You know, you know, they get it five years later or even a month later. Like, oh, that kid's hilarious, you know. I thought that was, that's what you do in college. That's the greatest college. That's a small, nice little college prank. I didn't pull the fire alarm, but, you know, why not have some fun with it? We know there's really no fire. It's just, you know, people are going crazy, and that's the ultimate college prank from like animal house you know because it doesn't hurt anybody and it's hilarious so you know what's the matter with people but boy yeah people were just they just wouldn't believe me that we didn't pull it just for the gag (laughs) which i get too you know because i can see myself completely doing that but anyway we get up and there's like people carrying babies and stuff like everybody seems to be in the same boat at the hotel so it wasn't that bad and they said somebody's microwave malfunctioned or something which seems pretty bad but uh, we were right, like, in the lobby on the first floor, so we got all the information. And like I said, again, I felt pretty secure with all the, the guns there and people to protect us in a way, I guess. I don't know. There's no basement in the Alamo. Yes. Where's the basement? Excuse me? Aren't we going to see the basement? <laughs> There's no basement at the Alamo. <laughs> well, I can't get enough of that bit. And you know what's funny is, uh, you know, we weren't in Texas, but uh, it felt like we were because, like, we went to this restaurant. It was a Texas-themed restaurant, so they had the Texas thing. And obviously we weren't in t- Texas. We were in Kentucky. But, you know, it, 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 it feels similar. So I kept wanting to, like, you know, I want – when I was in Texas many years ago, and this will always happen if I ever go there – I do this. I call up everybody and and do this bit, of course. Hi, Corella. Hello, Dottie. It's me, Pee Wee. Where are you calling from? Texas. Where? Honest. Listen, I'll prove it. 
couple college buddies went down to texas we must have done that every day we must have called a dozen people and be like i swear to god i'm in texas look and, you know and we were in the hotel room all together so it was easy to do listen the stars at night <laughs> and you know you get a group of people to do it it's uh it's funny every time it's one of those bits that's uh funny every time if you're cool so anyway um so the next day, we wake up at like 6 in the morning. They have a little, a little uh, continental breakfast, uh, which was like the hotel. Because we didn't know what we were going to eat again, especially my mother keeps kosher. So who knew what, you know, we didn't know what these, you know, hicks were planning. You know, our cousins were all in the military, apparently. I've got new cousins now. They're in the military. I feel safer already. And uh, we go to the, the funeral parlor. And they were really nice to us. I mean, they were very nice cousins. I mean, uh, no, nothing but nice. And they treated us. They were so happy that we were there, I guess. You know, but, they, you know, again, they're just like, oh, he was such a good man. And they're crying. And we're like, ah, right. He hated it. You know, we keep hearing stories from his uh, nieces and nephews. And they're just like, oh, you know, he was such a kind man. He, 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 they all had tears in their eyes. And these are guys older than me and tougher than me. And like, he, when I was a little boy, he took me to New York and he took me to the Empire State Building and I was scared. So he's like, oh, be careful. And, and he took us to Broadway shows. We had never been to one before. And I'm like, so you're saying in the late 70s, he was actually in New York and he never called us or my or his sister to tell her that he was in town. Well, I, you know, I don't... I guess he didn't. Uh, yeah, he didn't. You know why? Because he sucks. So. So then we. So so then the funeral starts and we're sitting in front. And I always feel like Michael Corleone when I'm sitting in front. You know, like you know how they're gonna come at you. They're gonna set up a meeting. Somebody I trust. I always feel like everybody's going up. I'm just going to cross my legs and sit there and watch everybody go and be suspicious of everybody, you know. Oh, by the way, we first got to the funeral parlor. We had the rental car, and this guy comes up, and he goes, okay, let me have your car keys, and I'll drive your car around. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you even work here? He goes, ah, yes, I do. Do you have identification? You know, because, you know, we're from New York, New Jersey area. You know? We're like, oh, this guy comes up. I don't recognize him. He doesn't have any badge on or anything. I'm like, yeah, here's my car keys. You know, like, he's just like, well, I, I do have some identification I can get. I'm like, ah, who cares? Just to rent the car anyway. But, you know, I think they were confused because, you know, somebody asked me to get your car. I, I was like, oh, no. This is exactly what happened at the last funeral I went to on 77th Street. Forget it. But, uh, so we're waiting there and they, uh, the reverend comes in and he uh, he just starts going up and uh, sigh as he liked to be called, uh, which he didn't. You know, my mother, you know, we called him Uncle C. So his name was Seymour Wright, but we called him Uncle C. Uncle C. But everybody there called him Sai. His wife called him Sai, and Sai was the way it was. And Sai, as he loved to be called, you know, like it was just like really annoying. It's just everything was an insult to my mother. And they're like, he's with Jesus now. And Jesus will love him as the son that he is. And I just keep elbowing my mother. And I'm like, hee this is hilarious. Because she, it's just so, my poor mother. I mean, all she loves is the pursuit of the Jews. She loves being Jewish. I mean, she's Jewish to the point where it's really annoying because she lets everybody know she's Jewish. And I don't know how many times I got to tell her to stop doing that. 
you know, especially when we're in Kentucky, even I would not joke around and say, well, you know, as a Jewish person, I kept my mouth shut. You know how difficult it was? I was going to make Jewish jokes, and I'm like, no, no, don't be stupid. We're at the gun show, and we're in Kentucky. Let's not mention we're Jewish, even though we assume they know. So he just keeps talking about Jesus, and I just keep ribbing her because it's funny. And then we, we're talking to each other. We're like, do you think he converted? Because there's just too much Jesus talk. Like, I mean, not once did they ever mention, well, he was born Jewish, but when he, at his bar mitzvah, he always said, you know, that guy, there was nothing like that. So uh, finally, after the cemetery, well, then, so we're hanging around, and it's, like, long, but, you know, we have the service, and then we go to the cemetery. And the cemetery is at a veteran's, a veteran's cemetery. That's where he wanted to be better. I guess he was a veteran. I guarantee he didn't really do anything to help his country, but... What of, he was actually a World War II veteran. So that's a kind of a great place to be buried because, um, you know, they take it pretty serious. And really, it feels like you're in the movie because there are, you know, they're playing the, you know. I mean, that's playing, you know, when they have the American flag on the coffin and the soldiers are just at salute at all times. And I was a, I was a pole bearer, too. And they asked me to be, and I go in with the other guys, and I just kept making jokes. And I'm like, so now, you say it's a pole bearer. Where's that actually be a pole? Because I um, I have an elbow problem. Uh, I, I, I think I said something much funnier and nicer, but, uh, you know, I'm just doing a bit for now. But, um, yeah, so they're playing that song, and I, I can never concentrate with the music. You know, I can never do my homework with music on. I can't concentrate with music on. But um, they're playing that while it's happening, and... The, the flag is over, the, you know, the soldiers are very, you know, at alert and, you know, with the, the, the I'm, I'm doing a salute. Obviously, you can't see me. I'm doing the salute. And it's a, a female and a male. And I'm like, a female? That's so disrespectful. You know, you know me. I'm an old man. I'm just like, what is this, a girl soldier? What is, what is going on? What's happening here? Meanwhile, there's so many girl soldiers now. You know, it's completely sexist statement. Yes, it is. But, you know, I'm still from the, you know, from the 70s. I, I don't know what's happening. But, uh you know, you, I don't, the last thing I wanted to be was disrespectful there, and uh, it was very pleasant. It was a nice day. So then, you know, they take the flag, and they fold it up. And you know how serious the folding of the flag is. Um, the way it is is the flag is placed on a closed casket, so the Union blue field is at the head and over the left shoulder of the deceased. Everything is very precise. After taps is played the flag is carefully folded into the symbolic tri-cornered shape. A properly proportioned flag will fold 13 times on the triangles, representing the 13 original colonies. The folded flag is emblematic of the tri-cornered hat worn by the patriots of the American Revolution, not the New England patriots because they suck. And when folded, no red or white stripe is to be evident, leaving only the blue field with stars and then it is then presented as a keepsake to the next of kim or an appropriate family member which this time was my mother i don't even know how they figured it out because they put us in front but we didn't know why i wasn't sure if they were going to give it to me or my mother we were the only blood relatives there that's why they were so happy to have us so it's it's so weird and so serious you know and you know i want to make jokes but this is not the time for uh you know i mean i'm not angry that this guy's dead or anything and but clearly you know this is taken very serious so they stand facing 
the, the my mother, and they hold the folded flag waist high with the straight edge facing the recipient. It's all very precise. And they took so long wrapping the flag. You know, they have to make sure it's perfect. They lean toward the flag recipient. She gets on one knee, and she presents the flag. She gets on one knee, and she goes, Ma'am, on behalf of the President of the United States and a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. And then she hands the flag to my mother. And then you're sitting there, and I'm like, oh, come on. No, I didn't say that. That's just going to be like, so what kind of service actually did he do? No, but it was like very – but the way that girl talked, she talked like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lamb. Ma'am, on behalf of the President of the United States. I didn't even hear that part. That's kind of exciting. On behalf of the President – I just – I wish it was my dad and not Uncle C. On behalf of the President of the United States, a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable, faithful service. And then we took the flag and some papers, and, you know, my mother gave me the flag. Because, like, uh, my niece, my uh, cousin Monica, who was also in the military, everybody was in the military, uh, was like, I think they're going to present your mother with a flag. I'm like, oh, she hates that. Because she gave me my dad's flag. My dad was also buried with a flag, which she hated for some reason. Why she would hate somebody being buried in the American flag, I have no idea. But my father was also a veteran, so we just didn't get the proper service because it wasn't at a veteran cemetery. Did you also know... That if you're a veteran, your wife, who if she's not a veteran, she gets buried on top of you. So they save space, um, which is interesting. Unless you're both in the military, then you get two sites. They sh- don't you think they should do that with everybody? So they, you know, we're probably going to run out of space pretty soon. It's going to be like poltergeist shit. You know, we're going to have to bury, you know, dig up some graveyard, put some condos over it. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. But, uh, so I go to um, Monica. I'm like, listen, you know, if you want this flag, it's totally cool. But I actually, I couldn't wait to carry the flag on the plane, put it through security. I mean, they're going to say something. That's where you should hide cocaine, by the way. The American flag just came from your funeral. I think they'll let you go. Do you mind if I keep this with me? I wonder if you can get away with it. I wonder if I just came up with a new way to smuggle drugs. I don't know why I brought that up. <laughs> I was just thinking, who's going to stop me with the American flag? You know, I even put it in the uh, overhead Compartment, And they were like, you know, I was waiting for somebody to be like, can you move that American flag, please? I dare you to say that in Louisville, Kentucky. So I was carrying the flag the entire time. But I so, so I said, Monica, do you want this? You know, because apparently she loved this guy. And she's like, w- um, would you mind putting it in your mother's will? Who says that? But apparently there's in-house fighting between the family. And she goes, I don't want them to get that. It's just, a, you know, it's the flag. You know, you could probably buy one. She's like, would you? Could your mother put it in her will, please? And I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, I guess. But then it was like an extra thing we had to carry. It wouldn't fit in our bags. <laughs> we just carrying the flag around all day, which was kind of, you know, if you're gonna be in Kentucky, and there's a gun show in town, it's probably a good idea to carry around the American flag. Probably a great idea. So I felt pretty good about carrying that around. So then we went. Then we were in Fort Knox. We went to the base and had lunch at the Sam Adams Brewery there. And, you know, there was a buffet, and my mother's like, oh, we're just, we, we had a little room, at least they planned something, but my mother and I wanted to pay for everybody, because we figured, you know, we'll look like millionaires there, because everything's probably five bucks. Um, but it was all so poorly organized that everybody was just kind of getting their food and paying, they had a buffet, and my mother's like, oh, we're going to look at the buffet, and I'm like, uh, I went to the buffet, don't go there, there's nothing there you can eat, I'm going to get you a grilled cheese sandwich, which I did. 
And I had a Reuben because that's what I was told to have. Like, oh, you should try the Reuben. And I'm like, eh, all right. So I had that and a couple of beers because they had Sam Adams Oktoberfest, my favorite. And uh, then, of course, my mother was like, oh, David, don't have a third. And I'm like, well, what are we doing? What are we doing after this? Nobody told us. What, everybody went home. It's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. My mother and I, our flight's not until 8 o'clock at night. We're going, believe me, that is the last place you want to be hanging out. So first we just tried to drive off the military base for like an hour. Couldn't find our way out. You would assume at Fort Knox. I mean, what, what's everybody's joke? God, it's, it's like Fort Knox over here. We were driving around for like an hour. We couldn't get our way out. How did nobody just stop us? Not a good sign <laughs> for America. Uh, two Jews just, you know, wandering around. One of them's drunk, driving around the military base, you know, and uh, nobody stopped us. But uh, I wasn't that drunk. Uh, so we're just like, oh, let's just go towards the airport because what are we doing? So we went down to downtown Louisville because we'd been there before and we had, they have a Louisville Live, like LA Live. And oh my God, is that a bag of shit? Now this is a Friday night in the middle of October where it's happy hour, about four o'clock and there's nobody around. And now when we were there on January 2nd, there was nobody around. The weather was miserable and there was nobody there. People, the ho- we were the only ones in the hotel. People at the hotel are just like, oh, it, it, it gets crazy here. And you know when there we are in the middle of October on a Friday a festive Friday night there's baseball games being played live there's a bunch of sports bars where is everybody it's 4:30 where is everybody it's 5 o'clock where the fuck is every there's a band setting up when are they playing this woman in the elevator is like oh it gets crazy and I'm like when what time and she got angry at me she just look at me and I'm like when when does it get crazy we're we're up for craziness right now we're doing nothing we ended up just going to the hotel and taking a nap on the couch. Or just, like, texting, you know, because there was nothing to do. It was horrible. We couldn't eat. We already ate. So then we're like, let's just go to the airport and hang out. That's, like, the worst. I remember seeing a Chili's there, and I'm like, that's where we're going. We're just going to sit in that Chili's for, like, three hours. So that's what we did. At least the baseball games were on, you know. So it wasn't too bad. And we were just sitting there, and we were hanging around. And then I get a text. Your plane's been delayed two hours. I just go to my mother. I'm like, oh, you're going to love this. We're delayed. Oh, so uh, what I found after the cemetery, what I said was my mother finally asks uh, his niece and just goes, can we ask you a question? Did C? Sai, you mean? No, C. You know, whatever. Uh, Did he convert to Catholicism? And they're like, I think he did in Washington, D.C. when he lived in Washington. I'm like... That was like 1974. Did he convert from Judaism 40 years ago and not tell anybody? What a dick. He probably did. And I'm just saying what a dick again. Now, maybe you didn't want to hurt my mother's feelings or something, but remember, this is a guy, he also didn't tell him he got, he got married. What a dick. We don't care if he converts. If he wants to convert, convert. But you know he converted just because his wife was like, Si, you're going to have to convert right now. So that that's the only reason it's a dick. Who cares? If he wants to convert, you want to convert. You know, you want to be a good Catholic. I don't know. Because apparently he went to Catholic University. That was our first sign. We didn't know. That was in his obituary. He did. My mother's like, well, I don't think he graduated from there. I'm like, you knew? Maybe that's why she never told me. Uh, and again, you know, if he's with Jesus... Uh, he must have converted, right? Who would say that somebody was with Jesus if they didn't convert? I'm glad he's with Jesus. 
I hope they have a wonderful time together. So then uh, we finally went home. You know, the plane was stupidly delayed. And all the blah, blah, blah. It was a horrible flight for me. I'm a white-knuckle flyer, and it was bad. But, you know, it was only an hour 40. We made it. I drove my mother all the way home. And then I said, you know, I'm supposed to do the roller derby on Saturday. And the big plan was after the roller derby, what I do is I go drinking with the girls. And then I go to the White Rose System, which is right by Rutgers. And then I watch Notting Hill in my car. Everybody knows the ritual. I watch Notting Hill while I eat the burger. And then I go home. It's like my way of sobering up before I go home. And I go back to the city. And I don't get home till like 5 in the morning. You know, and meanwhile, all the other girls are in bed by 1. Or maybe even midnight. Uh, and I had this plan all the time to pick up my niece from Rutgers and take her to the hamburger place at 3 in the morning. It would be, a, you know, an adventure for us. But I quit the roller derby two weeks ago. I think I told you because, you know, I just, you know, all the, my favorite girls quit. So I'm like, screw it. So then Friday night, I'm like, kind of by Rutgers. I'm like, so I texted my niece. I'm like, hey, because we were been talking on the phone. I'm like, because I kept it. So I like, put your, put your roommate on the phone. She wouldn't put her on the phone because I wanted to go to the Gary Goldman show, remember? Because she doesn't do anything. So I said, listen, I'm in the hood. You want to go to the hamburger place? It's like 1230 at night. And she goes, I'm studying and I'm not hungry. And I'm like, that's not the point, dummy. It's, a, it's the adventure. It's the adventure. So she's like, oh, okay. Like, she just doesn't get it. You don't have to be hungry. We're just, this is what we're going to, you know, we're going to do a late night activity. College, woo! So I picked her up, and we went to the hamburger place. She was thrilled. She was like, oh, my God, there's so many people here. And I'm like, yeah, they all go to your college. Should we introduce ourselves? You know, but we didn't. Well, we just, and she got a grilled cheese. I remember my mother. How funny is that? I had a burger. We had fries. It was, we had a great time. It's a little place. It's open 24 hours. Been going there for 30 years. Been going there since 1982. And it's the best hamburgers, Cali with cheese. I would never get a California burger anywhere else, but this is their main staple, you know, and they have a pork roll, egg, and cheese, which, you know, I can't get because it just sounds not kosher, even though I'm eating something that's not kosher. I pork, you know. My mother's in my head at all times. So uh, we ate it, and then I drove her back, and then we were talking in the car, and she never wants to get out of the car because I don't think she's happy at school. So I'm like, kid, you got to get out of the car. I, I got a long way to go, and I've been out all day. You know, I'm exhausted. I woke up at 6. I'm exhausted. Uh, so then I find, you know, I traveled back. Oh, I traveled back, and I didn't have any stomach problems. You know, I was, I was like, you know, from all the eating that I'm doing. I remember, remember, you know, we were eating at the pub, the Reuben, you know, lots of cheese. Then we were chilies. I don't know what I had. I ordered the wrong thing. or some sort of tacos, like an idiot, because I, I didn't know what to have. I, Salad's not going to help, and my stomach is always going to be issues. I had a couple. I had a couple of bourbons. My mother's like, "Stop!" And I'm like, "What are we doing? There's nothing to do but drink." And we're in Louisville. What am I not going to have bourbon? So my stomach's a mess. But I made it all the way home, made it to the garage, took the city back, had no problems. But just before I got to the house, you know, it it has the radar, and the door's locked. You know, a lot of time my doorman takes breaks, and this is the only problem I've ever had with my door guys. They take breaks, it's locked, like doorman will be back in five minutes. Now, years ago, before the building changed hands, the, the doorman would fall asleep downstairs and we were just locked out. And I begged them to at least keep the outside doors open so I can at least be in the house. So I have a place to sit or sleep if I'm you know wasted back years ago. But they closed the front doors. I begged them to give me a key, but they will not. But I found a way to open the doors and I just break them open i just pull really hard and it makes them angry but i'm like fuck you i fucking live here 
this is my house. Give me a goddamn key. I want me to fucking open the doors that way. And then I run to the door because he heard the noise. And he's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know I got diarrhea. You know I have to get upstairs. And I closed the door so you can't see that anything happened. Apparently, he told the other doorman. They're like, what happened last night? I'm like, I, you know what happened. You know I have to get in at any given moment. I hate waiting outside. What's worse? I just came back from fucking Kentucky. And I can't get home. They lock the fucking door. And it's always, you know, I know it's 2 in the morning, it's 3 in the morning, whatever it is, but that's when you want to get home the most. And they lock the fucking front door. I can't get it. It's just a fucking sign. Be back in 5. It's like the Blues Brothers where they're, you know, they have that timing and they're trying to get to the office so they can stay in the orphanage. And then Steven Spielberg put up the sign back in 5. You know, and they just have to sit there listening to the fucking elevator music. Oh, I used to sit out there for hours because a lot of the other doormen were drunk and they would just be downstairs and we would phone the super and he'd be angry. And I'm like, well, what do you want us to fucking do? Why won't they give me a fucking key to my own building? You got to be fucking kidding me. I just came from Kentucky. I have been up for 24 hours and the last stretch to my trip, I can't get in my apartment. Not because I forgot my key. Not because I'm an idiot. Not because I'm drunk, but because the door is locked downstairs in the building and they won't open it for me, which is their job, which I pay them at Christmas for. I'm not being snobby, you know, I'm being less than snobby. Just give me a key. I don't care if the doorman's not there. I'm not, I'm not saying like, I cannot believe the door was not open when I got here. I had to open my own door when I came into the building. Rudy was not waiting for me. I had to go to the door and open it myself. My hands were filthy. Now, next time, I want somebody to be there and foreshadow when I'm going to arrive and have that door waiting for me, and I'd like them to salute when I come in because I just came from Fort Knox, and I appreciate a salute. So anyway, I went to sleep for a few hours and then I woke up and I did spin class because that's the right thing to do. I think it was a really good session too. Finally, my friend Lori played like the Foo Fighters at the end, which was great because um, it really got me going, you know, because she usually plays like, you know, tunes that I really don't care about. So if they have more of a rock and roll thing, I think I can get into it more. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things. I'm the pretender. Whatever it is. Um. It was one of my, I, I love the song, I just don't know the lyrics, but um, yeah, it was making me work it. You know, where I wanted it to be like, woo, you go girl, because that's the way I always want to be at the gym, you know, just be the biggest tool of all time, you know. Woo, yes, yeah, go for it. But um, I don't, mostly because I'm out of breath, but mostly because, uh, you know, I, I want to be that guy if, the, you know, if I was on television doing that, but not so much, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> actuality it was all girls I don't want to look like an asshole if it was all guys I, well I wouldn't do it there either so uh, anyway then um, you know I couldn't wait to just get home and do nothing catch up on TV and Rachel called Rachel Feinstein called she had some lines she was Judd Apatow wants to be in a new movie and she's like can you go over some lines with me and I'm like yeah come over I'm not doing anything that's perfect she's like I'll buy you lunch and I'm like that sounds even better and she came over and um she got three fucking lines. I'm like, this. you need help with this? What are you, a, are you a retard? Seriously, you need help with three fucking lines. She's like, well, I don't know, because I'm always good at helping people with lines. I help Sarah a lot with lines. I help Rachel a lot with lines, but this didn't make any sense. 
you know, I was telling Gary Goldman about the technique. You know, I'm good at telling that. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I always want to be like Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. I'm like, that's good, that's good, but give me more because I'm not feeling. You know, I, I want to. I, I like teaching acting. I enjoy it. I like helping and working with actors and. You know, I, I think I always have a take on it. I don't know. You know, I do the best I can, but so does any acting teacher. I know as much as anybody else. I know what I like. I know when people are good actors. You know, I know about the theater. So I like to help people with their lines. But um, this didn't make any sense. As I was doing, like, she had three lines, so I was doing all the characters. I'm like, well, I should probably be in this at this point. Um, but it was nice to see her. And then uh, see her. And she was going to Saturday Night Live. She had the... Same scenario I had last year. She was going to Saturday Night Live because Amy Schumer was on the show. And Amy Schumer was, uh, you know, she needed, she made Rachel, like, quit a gig to make sure she came with her and watch the show and then go to the after party. And then Rachel was like, eh, I left the after party at 3. And Amy was, like, upset. And I'm like, what do you mean you left at 3? Don't you, you got to stay until the end till your friend says you can go. And she's like, eh, it wasn't that good a time. I'm like, I, I got to tell you. I've been to about 20 of those, and I've never had a bad time, ever. And I don't know why, but those parties just kick ass, and I, I can't explain why they're great. It's not – I mean, sometimes it's the celebrity sightings, which is good, but, you know, you can just talk to everybody there. Uh, you know, I, I don't often have friends, you know, a lot of – you know, it's hard to bring people in, but, you know, I like to talk to everybody. It's just a fun time. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's really drunk because, you know, that's when you definitely drink and – you know, it's just fun. It's like the, those old parties I would tell you about Thanksgiving that Heather Graham used to throw where it's the day before Thanksgiving. Everybody's just having a good time Saturday night. Everybody that's there worked all week and they're ready to blow off some steam. It's a good time. I don't know how Rachel doesn't have a good time. But she has a different life than I do, so um, she's just not as festive. But uh, I, I – um, so I, I thought Amy did a really good job. On the show, I thought she was actually excellent. I thought her monologue was great. I know she worked really hard on it with Louis C.K. and Chris Rock. Uh, they were around like all week helping her with it, and I think it paid off. I think it was really good. I think she did a really good job. I think she proved that she is a really good, strong stand-up comic, and she belongs where she is. Um, I'm not kissing her ass or anything because I don't care. She doesn't listen to the podcast. We we are friends, but we are not, you know, best friends. Um, but I thought she did a good job. I thought she did a good job in the sketches. I think she just gave, you know, whatever they gave her, she did, and she did it good. Um, I thought it was a pretty good episode. You know, I mean, it wasn't great, but um, I don't think it made me laugh out loud once, but uh, it was okay. And, uh, you know, I always watch it on Sunday mornings when I wake up, so, you know, just before football. That's why it's better when it's not on because then I can watch Doctor Who. They just said that Donald Trump is going to be hosting, uh, I think, after Tracy Morgan, which uh, that'll be great. That'll be very entertaining. They haven't had a presidential candidate host in a long time. Remember, they had Hillary Clinton a couple of weeks ago, and I thought she was really great. I like that kind of stuff. Rough night? Yeah, you could say that. Woo. Hi, I'm Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hey, great name. I'm Val. Oh. <laughs> I like that. That was um, Kate uh, McKinnon playing Hillary Clinton, and Hillary Clinton was the bartender. She goes, "Great name, I'm Val." I just that that was that's a funny line. <laughs> uh, she was playing the bartender, and I, I you know I like that. I like when politicians just act normal, and I think it's very smart of Hillary Clinton to do that. It's very smart of Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump, it doesn't matter. He doesn't need to, but Hillary Clinton needed that. 
to show that she's normal because she's a mess. And I don't know how that campaign's going to work out at the end. Um, I like her. I trust her. I'd be fine with her being president. But this, God, just, you know, let's do it already. You know, say something good. I think she did really good in the the debates. I didn't get to see them this time because I don't care. I only care about the Republican debates and I only care about Donald Trump because that is entertaining television. Now, Sunday, I was watching football. And Rachel called again. Can I come over and do lines again? I'm like, you have three lines. Don't come over at 4.30 because that's when it gets good. You know, that's when the Red Zone channel, 3.30 to 4.30, that's when the Red Zone channel gets amazing. And let me tell you, damn, there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of overtime. How the hell did Baltimore, uh, Cleveland beat Baltimore in overtime? Was Didn't the Seahawks go to overtime too? Yeah, the Seahawks in Cincinnati. So, oh my God, thank God for the Red Zone channel. That, I'm telling you, at 3.30, worth every penny I pay for it. It's like $8 a month worth every goddamn penny because uh, it just gets good. Did I not bring my picks? Oh, here they are. This is for this week, but yeah, last week was really fun and it was what football, but again, I didn't have any plans so I'm so glad Rachel came over because I didn't have any plans for later. And you know, I get depressed. You know what? I'm in the house all day and I never left. I never left the house. Uh, I just had nothing to do. I was supposed to do stand-up comedy on Sunday nights. Now I'm supposed to do stand-up at 9.30, the Broadway Comedy Club. I have a standing spot. Uh, maybe like around 10 or something like that. I just can't get out of the house on Sundays, especially when it gets dark later. I, I can't do it. It's really difficult to get out and get... You know how it is, people. Sundays are really tough. Nobody wants to leave the house on Sundays. It's just one of those things. And meanwhile, you know, I never have anything to do until like 2 o'clock on Monday. Sunday's the perfect night for me to go out. I don't know. I can't do it. I really want to try it again this weekend. I don't have any material prepared. I don't care. It's, it's, it's a good friendly spot it doesn't matter it's a stupid club but they like me there and I just really want to get out and do something and it's just really difficult I don't even care about the Sunday night game I mean I think that's the one the Giants were in but I don't care I mean it just doesn't matter I don't care you know unless the Jets are playing I really don't care to see the Sunday night game I can see it later I can see the update I've already watched 12 hours of football I gotta get out and be with the people and interact with people yeah, but that's what I did. So then my, all I do is look forward to Monday night because Monday night I go out and have wings. And wings are the best. And I go to Lansdowne Road and it was best. Now this time I mixed it up because normally I have the, the buffalo medium wings. But this time, last time my friend Chris Murphy mixed it up, he got the buffalo nacho platter. What? And it was amazing. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to do 10 wings and the nacho platter. I know it sounds like a pick, but I usually have 20 wings. I usually have like 17. Um... And I got it, and I knew I had to wake up early the next day, so I didn't want to have anything spicy, but I won't have the nachos again. It didn't work out as good as last time. I don't know why. So I'm going to stick to the wings next time, which are so delicious. I love it there. And what a great night to be at a bar with people. Yes, that was the same bar I had the Jets fans in. This time there were Mets fans in. We were watching the game. That game was unbelievable after the Chase Utley nonsense. They spanked them. It was fantastic. And for a second, you thought Harvey was going to be, a, you know, going to blow it. And in a way, you almost, as a Mets fan, you almost want him to get just punched in the face. He's been such a dick. But it all worked out. And they won like 13 to 6 or whatever it was. Wow. What a game. Next day, not so good. Matt's, he didn't do bad. It's just he just gave up three runs. And that was, unfortunately, you know, they had their ace on the mound. What are you going to do? So tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. I, I I don't know. You know, we got our ace. They got their second ace. 
I don't know. It's uh, well, it's eight twenty now. I don't know. I've just got two texts as I've been watching uh, my friend Lee Maracas, who's just like very tense, very tense. I don't know what that means. I'm not looking yet. I could look. Should I look? Should I look? I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna check out the score right now. This is kind of exciting in a way. Uh, one nothing Mets. One nothing Mets. Somebody got. Uh, let's see. Was it a home run? Uh, Daniel Murphy tripled the left. Granderson scored. Wow. One nothing Mets. Oh my God! It's only the bottom of the first. I know, uh, but still, that's exciting. So, um, I hope I didn't just jinx it. Oh, who cares? You know, I don't get any money if the Mets win. So, technically, the hell am I rooting for? I don't know. I just love the Mets. I love the Mets. Love the. Did I tell you guys last time that when I woke up early last week to watch the Jets game at 9.30 at the pub that um, – I, I can't remember whether I talked about this last week. I think I did. They they just keep – CBS just keeps previewing Supergirl. I think I did tell you this. And then – so they just keep previewing Supergirl. And everybody was drunk by like 10.30. And so when the Jets – every time the Jets scored, so one guy first started doing it. And then every time after, it was like so the Jets scored. And we just did the chant, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 the whole bar. And then this drunk guy just yells out, Supergirl. <laughs> so then we – every touchdown after that was J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Supergirl. <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> God, that's great. Don't you love bars? I mean, I'll tell you something. You know, it's like I'm not a drunk drunk, but ever since I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do, all the movies I ever saw, I want to be in a bar and be that drunk guy. Supergirl. (laughs) It just looks so appealing. I don't know. I always wanted to sit in a bar by myself and just hang out. And then I became that guy, and it really didn't end well. That's why I'm not successful, probably, even though I don't drink that much. But it's like drinking, you know. So Tuesday was... Sarah Silverman's premiere of her new movie I Smile Back which I've already seen helped her with her lines on that one even helped them get sets because it was a very low budget movie it's called I Smile Back it's a very serious role for her she gets uh, she has anal in the first scene and then gets raped in the last scene and it's very powerful and very heavy Uh, in fact one of the classic things the first day of shooting she had the anal scene with um this other actor and I was trying to help her with those lines you know what I'm talking about and uh, she was very uptight about it you know she had to eat properly the night before she had to wax you know like I mean, obviously they're not showing her being it but she wanted to be all clean for the actor or whatever I mean I can't even imagine doing this at any age but she doesn't seem to mind and she's good with her body and everything so uh, she's doing the anal she's like I'm very nervous but the anal they moved up the anal scene because the first day there was a snowstorm they were going to shoot her driving and they're like, oh, we can't. So they moved up the anal scene. So I leave her alone. I don't want to bother her because she's got a very strict schedule for the week. Got to be in bed by 8, you know, wake up at 4. You know, so I left her alone. I'm like, I'll talk to you, you know, on Saturday. You know, I won't bother you during the week. I don't want to bother you, you know, unless you want to call me or something. But she was really busy. So I'm dying to know how the anal scene went, you know, but I don't want to bother her. So that next Saturday, I call her and I'm like, I, and, and uh, so she, I'm like, what happened? She goes, um... Oh, my God. Uh, Today, I just did this really fucked up scene where I'm in my daughter's bedroom and I masturbate with her teddy bear while she's sleeping. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of movie is this? Then all of a sudden, I become my mother, you know, from the Bill Cosby. What the 
fuck? You know, I'm like, what kind? I didn't expect that. And she's like, yeah, it was, it was really, really fucked up. And I'm like, well, Jesus. I mean, how did the anal scene go, by the way? Oh, that went well. <laughs> oh, that went good, by the way. So how funny is that, right? So that's the movie that this is. I'm telling you, it's fucked up. But she's brilliant in it. I mean, she really is great. And it's a real, you know, it's quite a departure for her character, you know. Um, but I loved it. I thought she, I mean, it's an amazing performance by a comedic actress. Um, that's the thing, you know, maybe not for any actress, but a comedic actress, a comedian, a performance like that. There hasn't been a performance like that by any comedian taking a risk like that, especially a female, ever, I think. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, Steve Martin does some serious work, but not this gutsy as a comic, I, I'm going to say it. I mean, really, ever. I, I can't think of anything. If you if you can, uh, tweet me and let me know. Uh, you know, Richard Pryor did some, uh, you know, a couple serious movies, but uh, it wasn't like this. It wasn't the risks of uh, being a drug-addicted mother and rape and, you know, issues and stuff. Uh, it, it was quite fascinating. Um, anyway, so we go there. I bring Ashley, my girl. You know, I love her. And I bring her, and I think she can help because she did, I don't even think she knows who Sarah is. And if she does, she couldn't have been more polite and nicer. And she wasn't Star Trek, and she was cool. And, you know, Sarah and I, we hadn't been talking since the California thing a little bit, but we'd been texting that we love each other again. And I was trying to see her Saturday. Sunday, she was in town, and then she invited her manager, and I was like, oh, then I'm not going to go. She didn't understand. I just wanted to see her one-on-one. We just needed to work through some stuff. But it's still the, she's still the best. We got to the place, and they're like, oh, you have the yellow seats. You're sitting right next to her. And I'm like, that's awesome, because I wasn't sure. We were seeing. So it was just me, uh, her friend Heidi, who I'd known for years, Sarah, me, Sarah, and Ashley. <laughs> we're just sitting right, you know, in the reserve seats, and it's very exciting. And she gets up and talks. In fact, they had it in the paper today. Uh, which I'm furious because I wasn't listed. They're like, I, I can't stand when people go on and on before the movie, quipped comic Sarah Silverman before the moment pre- premiere of her dramatic debut, I Smile Back. I don't want to taint it. I hope it's your cup of tea. It was really funny she said that. Well, that tea was spiked with booze, cocaine, and pills in the edgy film about a New Jersey mom battling addiction. It's from a novel by Amy Koppelman, who I talked to after because, um, you know, I told her. You didn't leave in that scene we discussed, Amy? Because I'm that guy. Uh, who was congratulated by guests including born franchise guru Tony Gilroy at a boutique after party, which, you know, I was there. Also, you're there, Divergent Director Neil Berger, Amy Heckerling, which I'm furious about. You know I wanted to talk to goddamn Amy Heckerling. I did not know she was there. There was my opportunity to say thank you for Clueless. Thank you for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. God damn it, I wanted to talk to her. I had no idea she was there. But you know who came in was uh, James Lipton from inside the actor's studio. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, James Lipton. And he sat near us, and she's like, I didn't know he was going to sit near us. You know, this is when we're at the after party. And it's like one of those clubs with the bottle service. So it's me, Sarah, Heidi, Ashley, and uh, her manager. You know, we're just sitting in the booths, you know, with the bottles. And it's great. You know, it's just like, what can we get you? And it just keeps filling, and they bring the hors d'oeuvres around. It's perfect. And it's not loud because she hates that, you know. So um, it's, it's a good time. And uh, everybody's just coming over to her, so it's easy. You know, we don't have to do anything. Thank that. Thank God I bought Ashley, because then I don't feel like a dick. So I have somebody to talk to. When she obviously she's got to go around and talk to people, so she gets angry sometimes when I bring a date. But it's like sometimes it's necessary. So um, 
Lipton comes in. I'm very excited to meet that guy. I came over to him. I'm like, oh, I'm friends with Larry Moss. He's like, yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, he knew who it was. He just wasn't friends with him. I thought for sure they'd be friends for some reason. But that guy who was talking about that acting teacher, legendary acting teacher, how are they not friends? So I thought I had an ace in the hole. I'm like, hey, how you doing, Lipton? Hey, Lipton. But he was very old and feeble. But here's a, she goes, oh, yeah, I did Inside the Actor's Studio last night. And I'm like, what? You did... Now, I don't really care to be invited to anything Sarah's doing. But that I wanted to be invited to because, and this is exactly what I said to her. I'm like, you didn't invite me to that? She goes, I didn't invite anybody. I'm like, well, let me just say these words. John Travolta invited Frenchie. When John Travolta did Inside the Actor's Studio, he invited Frenchie. Didi Khan, the girl who played Frenchie, and he invited Fanola Hughes from General Hospital, who he starred with in Saturday Night Fever 2, which is why he probably is gay, because he invited these two gay icons. <laughs> but he goes, oh, that, uh, who did you invite today? She goes, oh, that's my friend, that's Didi Khan. You might remember her as Frenchie in Greece. Now, why couldn't Sarah go? Oh, that's my friend, Davey Boy Jessica. You might remember him as a slippery Yagley in my uh, show, The Sarah Silverman Show. Come on! John Travolta invited Frenchie. Sandy! Teddy? What are you, what are you doing here? I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plan. Okay. Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> what happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? Well, I do not know. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe there's two of us, right? Why don't you take out a missing persons ad or, or, or try the yellow pages? I don't know. You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Whoa! Whoa. John Travolta bought Frenchie. And Sarah Silverman did not bring her pal, Dave Juskow, to see her on Inside the Actor Studio, which I would have been born out of my mind, but they have to go. Who did you bring today? Robert Redford bought somebody. Everybody bring somebody! I've never wanted to go to anything she's ever done. Everything is boring to me. But that's the only thing I wanted. And I would have said, well, I'm no Frenchie. <laughs> yeah, me. Damn it. So now I hate her again. So beautiful. That place, Boutique, on 58th Street. I walk right home. Perfect. I thought she was going to drag me downtown again. Oh, she always drags me downtown. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Went right home. Had to wake up early again Wednesday because they did Artie's podcast worked out perfect. Then Monday, they asked me, like, can you do the podcast once? I was thrilled, thrilled that they asked me. I think they like me there. It makes me so happy. I love Artie so much, and I like his producer, Dan, very much. They have another friend, uh, John, that uh, works for United States. Great guy. He's so nice, and he was there. Uh, I was the only guest. They're like, we canceled all the other guests. Um, Artie just wanted you, and I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. It really made me happy because, all you know, with Artie, you just want to do good by him. Because Artie's such a nice person and such a good heart. In fact, we talk about on the show how we feel people take advantage of him a lot because he is one of those kind of guys that you could do. Like, I could definitely go to him and be like, oh, man, I don't really 
really need some money or whatever, you know, and he'd probably give it to me. But, um, you know, you don't want to be a dick like that because he's such a sweet person. He really is a sweetheart. And he's so funny. I mean, I find him really funny. And we had a really good time. But here's what happened. I took the ferry there, by the way, which was interesting. Um, it goes right to his house. And I'm sitting around. Now, for those of you who have listened to this show for the year that it's been on, when I first started, the first seven episodes, I had a co-host. His name was Jack Pesson. We had a, a falling out. At first, it was just a disagreement. I was just like, ah, you know, listen, uh, the way you're acting on the show, it's a little, you know, maybe you could take it down. It was just some, what I thought, constructive criticism, but he was like, you're always yelling at me every day. I'm like, I probably was. You know me. Look at me controlling. I, I, I don't want any guests. I don't want anybody. You know, I'm like, I control the show. So, yes, I'm very controlling. So, all right, I was a dick, but I wasn't a dick dick. And he just didn't show up, and he wrote me a letter. And and uh, he wrote all these things like, I think this is the thing. I don't think you need me. You've never used my clips. And I'm like, you never give me any clips, Jerichoff. Um And then I, I've never talked about it on the show, I, you know, whatever, because I felt bad because I figured he would be listening. But now I can tell you. So he wrote me all this stuff, and I just wrote back, you're an idiot. Now, I wrote back, you're an idiot, for two reasons. One, he knows that's my favorite line to say. You're an idiot. Comes from upbringing. Your parents are probably idiots too. It's from Back to the Future. But I also wrote it because I must have told him a hundred times, don't email or text me. I like to talk on the phone. So if we're hashing out shit, he knows I want to talk about it on the phone. I said, let's talk about it. I just wrote back as an idiot, and he just took that the wrong way, and it escalated into, wow, he became so nasty. Mostly because I said, can you please pay your dues for the football pool? Because he, we hadn't been talking, and he'd been playing all season hoping he could win the money. But finally, at the end of December, I'm like, Jack, can you please give me the money? He's like, I don't have the fucking money. I don't have the money. My grandmother's dying. I don't have that kind of money. And I'm like, you know, you could just say, dude, I'm a little short. I can't. I mean, I'm so sorry. You know, you just... There's better ways to handle it. And he just kept saying, you're a bad dude, Dave Juskow. You're a bad fucking dude. And I always kept writing back, I'm sorry you feel that way. I mean, I was being very polite because I really didn't want this arch enemy in my life. Plus also, uh, well, I'll tell you in a second. So um, finally, it just got to the point where I started being nasty back because it was, it was too much. And you reach a breaking point. I'm like, look at you. Look at you, you, you're a man, you haven't, you're a white man, you haven't gotten a job in two years. I know that might sound racist, but seriously, you're a man who can't get a job in two years. That's fucked up. Your, your wife has to work. I mean, what man do you know that can't get a job in two, who grew up in Manhattan, who doesn't know how to find a job? Well, he wanted his dream job, he wanted to be a writer. Sometimes you gotta bite the bullet. I mean, I've been doing that for years. Sometimes you gotta work in a Bennigan's or... You know, or a Kentucky Fried Chicken because you fucking got to take a job. You got to take a hit. But I met him on the Artie Lang show. That's what he was doing. He was pulling cables, complaining about that too. Anyway, that all being said, we have not spoken since. Yesterday, I'm at Artie Lang's house, but I've heard he's kept in touch with my friends and it bothers me and he's always asking for Artie's number. Always asking for Artie's number. So I guess he found Dan, the producer's number, Dan Filato. And uh, I'm at Artie's house, and on the windowsill, I see uh, just 
a, a script of some sort, and it just says David, the title. And I just pick up the piece of paper that's on top of it, and it says written by Jack Peston. And I'm like, oh, my God, you got this douchebags? He's sending you scripts? And they're like, oh, my God, yeah, he, he texted Artie. He's like, can you get me an agent? And I'm like, oh, that guy really did. And I told him, like, he just got so angry. He wouldn't pay the money for the football pool. We could have worked this out. It was so weird that he got so angry. And uh, I'm reading through the script. The script is called The Fall of David, and it is about your pal, Dave Juskow. Yeah, I'm reading through the script. It's like, um, uh, you know, fat, uh, you know, a Jewish male in his 50s at his apartment, you know, scene, uh, apartment, Upper East Side, uh, you know, uh, playbills all over, cocaine wrappers, whatever, um, and a black cat named Susan. I mean, everything, the names were changed. I mean, uh, the lead character is David Janikowski with his black cat. I'm just flipping through the pages, and I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I couldn't believe it. But then I remember he was writing a script about me. He would say it. It was creeping me out. He's like, oh, that's another chapter. Every time I do something, he goes, that's another chapter. He'd say that to his wife, and I'm like, ha, that's creepy. So he's writing a movie about me. It's, all, it's flattering, too, but, it, you know, who knows how that's going to come out. I don't know how it's going to be. Now I figured once he was doing that, I'm like, well, that movie's going to end. I assumed he finished. Now he's sending it out. He's showing his work. This is what he's sending, the, the script about me. And I clearly, I'm looking at some of the lines. I look like a douchebag. It has all the lines. I'm on a sabbatical. You know, whatever. Um, my best friend's on Saturday Night Live. She's the host this week, and it, but, but her name is Rachel instead of Sarah. I mean, it's completely about me. And then Dan, like, you know, I was reading it, and then I realized it was about you. He forgot to tell me. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes, I was reading. it is about you. I figured it out after 10 pages. He's like, well, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think it's going anywhere. Well, you know, my favorite, my famous last words. I'm like, well, I, I don't think the blue man's going anywhere. Who knows, right? Everybody's like, well, you could sue it. I'm like, what do I want to sue? Who cares? It's just so weird, right? Can you imagine? And, and think about this. That's the second script that's been written about me without my knowledge. An old girlfriend of mine, and I don't think I've ever told this story, wrote a play about me about seven years ago. An old girlfriend. She was Sarah's old roommate. And we dated for a while, and I don't know. You know, I must... Uh, uh, people obsess about me, I guess. And she told me she was writing a play about me, but I laughed it off. And apparently it took place in my favorite bar, Caliban. And uh, I was at a party, and I met this guy who was playing me in the show. And he's like, oh, I almost got Dave Juskow down. And I'm like, ah. I keep thinking it's some elaborate joke on me. And then I go to the play. They put powder in his hair to make it gray. And he was the most flaming homosexual. <laughs> my name is David Juskow. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. God, my mouth is wide open. I'm sitting there. You gotta, this is not happening. And he was just a dick to everybody. You just go around going, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, in the, Supergirl. I, I don't know what I do to people. I mean, I kind of know, but I know I get under people's skin. I get it, but I, it's just the funniest thing. So, I leave the theater after a play and I see her immediately. She goes, well, that sucked. And I'm like, yeah. 
and she was completely insulted that I said that. But I'm allowed to say that because the show is about me. Uh, two years go by. I'm at Sarah's house, and uh, I go, you know, Allison, I'm, I'm worried about her. She won't Facebook me back or she won't text me. You know, I'm worried. She goes, um, maybe it's because you said her play sucked. And I'm like, is, did, is that what she told you? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, um, did she tell you anything else about that play? And she goes, no. And I go, oh, well, um, she might have left out a little tidbit that the play was about me uh, played by a flaming homosexual. <laughs> and and then, yeah, that's, and she had said first that sucked and I just agreed for no reason. And she goes, uh, yeah, she might have left that part out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, she left that part out. And then, you know, that's just hilarious. I mean, there's just nothing funnier than that. So if I was making a movie of my life, that scene would be in it with my face just wide open. Where I mean, what would be funnier? The people that like this podcast, people, guys, girls, what would be funnier than us watching a movie where I'm watching a movie about an old girlfriend that made a play about me and he's just played by the gayest guy, you know, like little Scotty Gorenstein, you know? <laughs> Lies as publicist, right? Oh, my God. There's just... I mean, we have to do it. We have to do it. I know. Everybody's been asking. I went to VH1 once with an idea for a show. And they were like, eh, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, it's funny because everybody wants me to do a show where, um, you know, it's about me. It's a reality show where I'm getting back into comedy. All my friends are famous and I'm playing these horrible clubs. And, you know, just kind of my life where I work at this, you know, a law firm and then I'm doing this. And they're like, oh, we'd love to do that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, finally somebody wanted to buy a show that I was pitching. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. don't want to be embarrassed. I, you know, I, I don't want to ask my friends for favors beyond it. And I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't know if I could find the right way to do it. Everybody always wants to do it. It's very nice. But I mean, I do live a strange life. Um, because then after the Artie podcast, which went for three hours, I didn't know I was stuck in driver. I was supposed to meet with the Devils because, you know, I told you I'm working with them. And then I was going to the Stevie Wonder concert. So I figured I'd hit two birds with one stone, but there was all this traffic, so I couldn't make it. But we went to the Stevie Wonder concert last night with Memo and his wife and my friend Lawrence. And um, he was doing this, just the album Songs in the Key of Life. Um, so I didn't really care for it. I just went because, you know, the tickets were free. So. Um, I love Stevie Wonder, uh, but I wanted to hear more hits. So, obviously, I like Sir Duke. I like I do. And um, I had no idea he wrote Gangster's Paradise. It's not called Gangster's Paradise. It's called Ghetto Paradise, I think. I had no idea. I thought that was cool they all wrote it. I didn't know there was Stevie Wonder. So, that was exciting. He brought out that guy, Ed Sheeran, and they sang. And that was kind of cool. I had no idea that was on the album. But, you know, a lot of the stuff on those kind of albums, like, those kind of filler. It's not like seeing the Beatles do Sgt. Pepper or somewhere. I know every song. Uh, so, it wasn't that great. I'd like to see the hits. And then, he, at the end, he does the hits. He's like, are you satisfied? He's three and a half hours. This 65 or whatever he is old man is doing. Very impressive. And uh, then he does the hits. Is everybody satisfied? No, no. And he's like, well, maybe you'll like this. I'm yours. Woo. I don't know why I continued after it was clearly not going anywhere. Um. So that is, leads us to today where I went out for so, – and I you know, I was always looking at my stomach issue. You know, I wanted to eat probably because I knew I had this big week and I was just going out every night. And then finally today I went out for Mary Edgerton's birthday who we've had on the show before. 
And I went to a restaurant and I had a bite of macaroni and cheese and a Cobb salad. And then I had massive diarrhea. <laughs> but it wasn't a good kind of diarrhea. It was like the one that had been building up because I know I've been eating poorly, but I'm trying not to. Uh, <laughs> but I love talking about it. I don't know why. There's something wrong with me. But that brings us to right now. Mm. Should I look at the med score again? Should I stop the show? No. What's the, I'm going to see. I'm taking a look. Oh, God. Two to one. Dodgers. Yipes. Not good. You know, see, now I'm depressed. I shouldn't have looked. Why did I do that to myself? I have so much other stuff to get to. We're at the 120 mark. Should I continue? Should I wait till next time? You know what? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to continue with a couple of other things, but I'm going to save my No, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk about football, but I'm going to move over to television. Let's just do it. Now, uh I wanted to tell you I watched I watched a show called My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend last night. It was on Monday night. It's on the CW network, and I thought I'd give it a try because, you know, I like to talk about it on the show. It was great. It was very entertaining. I mean, this girl who, I don't know whether she's the creator that's in it. She's very good. All of us know this one obsessive girl that's obsessed with this one boy. It's a very funny premise. How they're going to keep it going. Again, it's like the grinder. How they're going to keep it going. I don't know, but the first episode was ridiculously enjoyable. And she's uh, dating a boy in camp, maybe when she's 14. And then he's like, you're a little obsessive. So I don't know whether I'm going to call you this summer or whatever, but she's obsessed with him for 10 years. It's 10 years later. She's a lawyer in, in New York, and then she bumps into him. He's like, oh, I didn't make it here. I tried, so I got to move out to this place in California. And then she moves out there, you know, obsessive and staring. I mean, it, I, I can't explain, but... Uh, I highly recommend it. It was very entertaining. Very entertaining. You know, there's not a lot of good comedy on TV anymore, especially on network TV. Those sitcoms are horrible. You know, last year we just went through all of them. They were all horrible. And this year, I will tell you that the grinder every week, and here's the problem. And this is why I wanted to talk about it. I have an article from The Post, uh, Friday, October, last Friday. And it just says on the TV section, the vultures are circling. Why these new shows are in trouble. And the grinder is on that list. God damn it. Rob Lowe's crazy comedy about a crazy actor who thinks he can practice law. Uh, but they say deserves a bigger audience. But the hand of corporate mercy is going to have to find this clever comedy a new time slot. Problem is nobody can beat Mark Harmon and CIS. He owns Tuesday Night Still. So the paper gets how good this is. The show on before it, grandfathered. That shouldn't be its lead in. They should switch it around at least. It got like a point nine, And it's a shame because I swear if people were watching it, they would love it. It's so funny. And it's going to bother me when it's gone. Here's a, a scene from it. Counsel? Do you mind if I counter? That seems wildly inappropriate. That's Rob Lowe, you know, coming up. We don't move. And we don't pay one more cent in rent. Dean? Uh, I like that plan. Are you grinding? Is he helping with cases? No, he is not helping. He is not a lawyer. Right now, this case is all about apartments. No rent. But what it should be about is character. 
I say we turn this whole thing on its head and put Krantz on the defensive. That sound is smart to me. Me too, Stu. No, this is a terrible idea. We should definitely settle. We will 100% lose the case. I feel like I'm in a grinder episode right now. Season four, episode nine, Settle to the Metal. We learned something very important in that episode. The grinder never settles. It settles, he never settles. Not in his nature. Mm. I need to ask everyone here, is it in our nature? to settle. No, I don't senor. think so. I'm tired of settling. Yeah. I feel like all we do around here is settle. I can't believe this is an actual conversation. Victor, this is your call. Do you want to pack your things or do you want to roll the dice? Mr. Stewart, we roll the dice. Go to trial like the grinder says. Yeah! <laughs> Bring it! Yeah! Isn't that funny? Isn't that, I mean, I know you, you don't hear it, but it's, it's really funny that people loved it, and and his brother played by Fred Savage, just like no, no, that's a bad idea. That doesn't make any sense. And they just brought a really, uh, really pretty girl into it now who doesn't like the like he has a uh, thing where she's like nice to meet you. He goes, oh, I'm glad you like the show, and she's like, what? You know, <laughs> it's really funny. And I'm telling you, I know I talked about it last week. It is. I mean, I I don't want to call Smigel. I don't want any trouble, but it, I mean, Jesus Christ, it is exactly like Look Well, the Adam West show I've been playing. I mean, to the T. Listen to this. I was attempting to summon my life experience and transport it to the Earl of Kent situation. Wait a minute. What did you say? I was just talking, sir, about my technique. No, no. Transport. Those stolen cars are being transported to another country. Mr. Lookwell? Sorry. Used to play detective. Mind can't help but make deductions. Class, I'm going to have to step away for a bit. Uh, ben, will you take over the group while I'm gone? Want me to put them through the emotional tag exercise? Whatever you like. Right now, I'm going to pay a little visit to my friends at the police station. I mean, come on. That's great stuff. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, this laugh out loud funny. And so if Lookwell didn't make it, it was just the pilot, and I think it's the funniest thing ever made, then this is the closest I get. And the Thursday before, I just read you the bad news in the post. The Thursday before, the headline, grinding to a halt, Rob Lowe comedy sinking fast. This sucks. I don't know what to do. It's so funny. It's not, and the... The Muppets are killing it, you know? I mean, can you imagine? I have my... Uh, let's look at the ratings here. Uh, yeah, the ratings this week. I mean, uh, Sunday Night Football. Uh, Thursday Night Football was number two last week because of the Ravens and Steelers, but this week it went to Colts, Texans. It went to number three, where Empire, number two. Big bang for your number three. This is how, Remember, this is how it drops. Sunday Night Football, 6.9 ratings. 6.9. That was the Giants. Empire... Empire getting football ratings 5.1. Thursday Night Football got a 5.0. Empire is just ridiculous. The Big Bang Theory, the next drop-off is 3.9, and that's the hottest show on you know, television besides Empire. So it's amazing. Uh, 60 Minutes, I think they had the president on last week, so they ended up at number seven. And Blindspot uh, keeps its number 11. I guess people like it. I watch it every week. It's okay. Um, I don't care for, uh, you know, again, got another fucking actor who's British doing an American accent. It's pissing me off. I don't know when people are going to stop start complaining about that. I'm not giving the workers to the Americans. Not cool. Not cool. Yeah, I'm saying it. Um, 
And then Life in Pieces, that stupid show. I watched the first one. It was 24 last week, moved up to 19. How did that happen? Scorpion was up. I watched that show, but it hasn't been really good this year. Fresh Off the Boat rose up. I don't know how. And that is killing Grinder. I think I don't. that's on the same time as Grinder. It's problematic. So Grinder got a 0.9. That's not good, people. Limitless is good. It's going on 24. You know I like that show very much. And The Muppets is keeping steady, 1.7, but Grinder 0.9, not good. But, the you know, Jane the Virgin, which is a popular show, gets a 0.4, and that's in its second season. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend got a 0.3, and it'll probably last a whole season because the CW has different rules. They seem to get it that there are people watching, and we need a new way to figure out how. Um, you know, The Flash, which I watch, and gets a 1.4, and then I watch the show after it called iZombie, gets a 0.5. That's a major drop-off, and yet that's in its second season. So, And Grindr has bigger numbers. Come on! It's a really good show. Keep it on. So let's just go through... Uh, Oh, I forgot to... I'm not looking at the med score. I forgot to play, uh, you know, our favorite. Good evening, everybody. Uh, no, just really quickly, let's go through Wednesday nights because, um, you know, we got to get this over with uh, the TV stuff. There's only two new shows on Wednesday nights. Um, there's this show, Rosewood, which uh, kicked ass because it follows Empire, just like the stupid odd couple was following the Big Bang Theory. And let's see, and I think they're still going to put it on after the Big Bang Theory. It's not fair. I want to see what happens with the Big Bang Theory, uh, with the odd couple, when it's not following the Big Bang Theory. But Rosewood follows Empire, but yet it still drops. Empire's 5.1. It dropped to a 1.8, and that's considered successful. Come on. Now, Rosewood, let me give you the premise. It's with this guy, Morris Chestnut. He's a black guy. And he plays a doctor, a private pathologist working in Miami in, a high, de in high demand with law, law enforcement. Now, the only reason I was going to watch this at all was because um, I thought that Morris Chestnut um, was this guy. Now listen, I know at the beginning it sounded racist because they start going, ooh, ooh, ah, and I'm like, that's a black guy that reminds me of a monkey. Uh, no, because his name was Morris Chestnut, and yes, he was black, this guy's name Morris Day, and I don't, I'm sorry I mixed it up. I, and then, of course, I realized, I'm like, well, wait a minute. 
he's too good looking and young to be Morris Day must be at least 50 by now this song came out in 1984 but this is who I thought it was I thought he was gonna like sing and dance you know so I was like well maybe I'll watch that if he'll if, if do Jungle Love I mean this guy was awesome like Jesse now Jerome I remember he's got the mirror and he's a, he, this was in um, Purple Rain he was actually he stole the show from Prince that's hard to do in the 1980s he certainly was more entertaining in that movie. Remember, he's looking in the mirror. You have that guy bring the mirror on stage, that guy Jerome. Yeah. 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 Ooh. put it down here all right the next show is uh that's on at eight o'clock on wednesdays well how can it be on an end oh it's the lead into empire oh well still it's the same yeah i guess that's why it drops so oh, i thought it came on after still a pretty good slot to be in uh yeah i guess it did good even against survivor it didn't beat survivor but uh and but you know it's beating the mystery of laura now the mysteries of laura as you know, last season, I was just adamant about that that was going to be canceled immediately. I cannot believe it's the second season. It has a 1.0 goddamn rating. Come on. That's staying on the air, but they're going to take Grinder off. The Mysteries of Laura sucks. It's not in the top 25. I'm telling you, NBC's got nothing. They have a new show. Uh, CBS has a new show at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. It's called Code Black. That looks fucking horrible. I, you know, I'm saying this Rosewood, I guess it's going to last a season because, you know, it's on before Empire and it's doing all right. Uh, Code Black takes place in an overcrowded and understaffed emergency room in Los Angeles, California, based on a documentary by Ron McGarry, blah, blah, blah. It's with Marsha Gay Harden. She looks fat and stupid, and I do not see that lasting one bit. I give it two months you're welcome america code black i guarantee it will get canceled that's right i'm always right except for the mysteries of laura it's the only one i got wrong last season on wednesdays um well the mentalist went off the air uh what was new stalker i told you stalker would get canceled i definitely told you uh stalker would get canceled uh, the show ran for one season from October. In fact, it lasted much longer than I thought it From October 1st to May 18th. On May 8th, CBS canceled Stalker after one season, thereby ending the show on a cliffhanger. I told you that, but that was with Dylan McDermott and Maggie Q. And when you got a person with a stupid name, you get canceled because you suck. Maggie Q. Then remember Red Band Society? That, I think I was right on the money. I get canceled. I said I think it would last three episodes. Uh, an American teen, an Amer a teen medical comedy drama that premiered on September 17th based on uh, the series is a dramedy focused on a group of teenagers living together as patients in a hospital's pediatric ward. I mean, you got to be who thought that was going to last? That is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I know they're trying to make it a comedy, but. It aired, it aired on September 17th, on November 26th. It was confirmed the show would stop production after its original 13 episode, and the show was pulled from the schedule after episode 10. 
on January 13th, it was announced the show was officially canceled. The other show was a comedy called Mr. Robinson that was on NBC. Mr. Robinson ran from August 5th through August 19th. The series, you remember that one because they were making a big deal about the series starred Craig Robinson as a middle school music teacher and part-time musician. On September 14th, the series was canceled. So I've been right about everything. Um, you can actually see my predictions online if you give a shit, but why, why would you? Don't go look. Just keep listening to the podcast because this is the way to go. And I think that's Wednesdays. Now, uh, just one last thing is that it's weird. Hayden Panettieri, you know, she was really pretty for Heroes, and I watched Nashville, so she's on that show. Um, she's been speaking out because she had a baby with that hockey player, and she is suffering from postpartum depression. And she's been speaking out nonstop. But the weird part is I saw her on the Today Show. I've seen her on uh, another news report, and I've read about it in the paper and online. And the weird part is not one person not one person has mentioned that on the show Nashville, her character is going through the same thing. It's very strange. The entire show going into this season from last year, she had this baby and she is completely suffering from postpartum depression in the show. Is there any way that that is causing the postpartum depression in her real life? I mean, that's weird that nobody's mentioning it. Right? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Or am I just... What? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Morris Chestnut. No, I know. It's Morris Day. I'm just kidding. It does sound horribly racist. Like if I was going to meet Morris Chestnut, like if I was with Sarah at the premiere... And I meet Morris Chestnut, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I loved you in Purple Rain. Excuse me? Yeah, it's a dick move, but that's what I was thinking in my head. I don't know why. Morris Day in the time. I'd never heard of Morris Chestnut before. It sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember Morris Day at the time. And doesn't the guy in Purple Rain seem like he should be named Morris Chestnut? That's a fun name. Well, that's the show for today. Probably been doing all these hours, 40 minutes. Show's been kind of nice. What if I should... Uh, I'm going to tell you who I like this week in football because I think I really like the Broncos over the Browns. We'll see if it comes through. I liked a couple of things this week. The Broncos over the Browns. There's no way the Browns beat the Broncos after they just beat Baltimore. That's that's That was their Super Bowl. I like the Jets over the Redskins a lot. And that's it for now. So I'll leave you with that. Let's go, Mets. I'm not looking at the score. I know they were losing at the end. Let's just let's go, Mets. We'll talk next week. Uh, I'll, put, I'll bring a guest on. We'll have a, we'll have a good time. We'll have a nosh. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I'm glad I got everything off my chest as I needed to. I'm going to see the Devils tomorrow. Let's go, Devils. They're 0-3. It's not looking good. Let's go, Jets. Let's go, Devils. Let's go, Mets. All my teams. 
It's all right there for the taking. This has been the Dave Juskow Podcast. I love all of you. Follow me on Twitter as I tweet three times a day during podcast season. (laughs) I'll see you next week, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful week in this crazy town that's a beautiful fall week of weather. Good night, everybody. Have a great football Sunday.